Kia ora and welcome to my podcast uh, here with my email newsletter, uh, The Kaka, which goes out to paying subscribers in which I look at housing, climate and poverty in Aotearoa. And today I wanted to have a look at what's happening with migrant exploitation. You might have heard over the last week or so that there have been reports of dozens of uh, temporary migrants here on accredited employer work visa schemes who paid upwards of $30,000 for one of these visas, arrived in New Zealand, no job, shoved into uh, a house, one in one house, 40 people, and uh, with no job they are stranded here. This is because uh, the government issued more than 80,000 accredited employer work visas uh, inside a year after um, intense concerns about uh, labour shortages and wage inflation last year. Turns out 27,000 employers were given the right to apply for these accredited employer work visas and literally just a few dozen were checked in any proper way. Not surprising then that we now have massive fraud. And last night, finally, after a couple of weeks of saying there was nothing to see, Andrew Little announced a ministerial inquiry into how Immigration New Zealand were running the scheme. It's, of course, interesting to um, know about this and to document this, and it's great that there's lots of reports of it. But it's worth standing back and trying to understand what's going on here. In the bigger picture of our labour needs, our political situation, what's happening with infrastructure, and why we're again in a situation where we have turned ourselves into the Dubai of the South Pacific without any sort of public debate and certainly without any sort of sustainable increase in infrastructure investment to deal with population growth. Just to step back a bit and look at the history, up until about 2003, New Zealand has been a low-growth, ageing society. Certainly through the 70s, 80s and 90s, the assumption was that New Zealand's population wouldn't grow much and that our real problem would be depopulation and ageing. And that meant there was no need, according to the officials and politicians in place in the 80s and 90s, for lots more new investment. And because of that, they could afford a relatively low income tax rate and afford not to tax capital gains. And the aim of government over that time was to reduce its size and to deliver tax cuts. Unfortunately, in the early 2000s, without a debate, both parties who control government, National and Labour, accidentally on purpose decided to buy themselves some cheap economic growth, nominal GDP growth, by bringing in lots of cheap workers. Work to treat to control wage inflation, and when you do that you control overall inflation and you keep interest rates low. And secondly, uh, for a lot of employers, it was a cheap and easy way to add capacity and to grow their businesses without having to invest in technology, training, uh, uh, change in business structure, mergers, uh, investing capital in equipment and uh, um, tools to improve productivity, i.e. to produce more with the same number of workers. Uh, Because any spare capital is deployed into residential land. So um, it's convenient for the government to engineer all this population growth through migration because it allows the government itself to run 
surpluses because remember all of the migrants coming here working on temporary visas are paying income tax and buying things with GST and over the years both sides of the house have done this but without going to each other or the public and saying we need to build enough infrastructure for regular population growth of 2% plus. Now this is uh, a particular problem certainly in the wake of the COVID slowdown, when again Stats NZ has forecast that our population growth will be around about half a percent per year in the decades ahead to 2073, which is when their population growth forecasts finish. That's based on a survey done of migration experts in early 2021, in the middle of the lockdowns, in which those experts were asked, what do you think the average net migration will be in the years ahead? And they said 25,000. We're close to 80,000 again, and for the last 20 years we've been running with migration-led population growth of 15 to 2%, not 0.5%. So we've got a problem here. We keep growing our population fast without driving our infrastructure spending up, and we're doing it again. And uh, we have to think of another way. And so in the spirit of solutions journalism, I've included um, a bunch of ideas in today's email newsletter on how we could do this. I personally prefer a strong population growth economy. Uh, Certainly we're not going to build the infrastructure without that sort of population growth. Also, it keeps our uh, economy young and is certainly a way to get growth. I don't think we'll have a choice either. We are a climate refuge and those people will come. It's best that we arrange ourselves to uh, sustainably uh, grow our population with infrastructure growth. To do that, the public and politicians are going to have to accept that you need to invest more of the share of GDP in infrastructure, R&D, businesses and investment, and change the incentives to encourage people to invest in businesses rather than land. And in my view, that requires some sort of um, national effort to uh, focus on a particular couple of targets. I think it should be carbon zero housing and transport by 2050 and ensuring that housing costs are less than 30% of disposable income, particularly for the poorest 20% of the population, and that we significantly reduce our spending on transport. Have a look at the email newsletter and we welcome your comments. Kaki Terno.